You are listening to Primal Radio, the podcast dedicated to combat sports, martial arts, self-defense, and the warrior mindset. And here are your hosts from Hamilton, New Jersey, Jim McCann, and London, England, Tom McGrath. Tom, Alana, welcome. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too, Jim. Tom, how did happy, happy how did the New, New Year, Year go? Did you go out drinking again? Were you done with your Christmas parties or? <laughs> Uh, it's like a pretty wild party. It was it was a nineties themed party, which I didn't even know was a thing yet. It made me feel really, really? old. Really, nineties? Um, th- I lived in the nineties and way before that. No, because so, you rented. I remember you said you rented. A, you had a table or something at some pub, and we, we had a table. There was about like twenty of us in the end, and then yeah. it was kind of you in know, the end drink, drinking to the early hours. Really? Like, oh, what, ta- what time Chris, did you? New Year's Day was hardcore suffering. Was it? You didn't like drink yeah. in the morning to get rid of it. Yeah, man, it was, yeah, yeah, one of those well, days. But I'm back to my best again now. Now you're back to your best because uh, New Year, New You, they say, right? You were just giving yourself inspiration for your resolutions and resolve. Like well done. Talking, well done, good job. I did nothing. <laughs> I, I sat home and did absolutely nothing. I'm sure, I mean, yes, yeah. it, was, it was very exciting. I don't know what the hell I did. <laughs> I think I had Wawa. You don't know what Wawa is. Tom, did you ever have Wawa here? No. You never uh, did? I know Dieter's that? a big fan of it, so is Kari from Belgium. It's like a... It's like a uh, convenience store kind of thing. It's sandwiches and stuff, and they have a bit of everything. You can live off of it. It's excellent. <laughs> but uh, I'm surprised okay. you never had it when you were out here. No, nah, no, nah, you took me for a Philly cheesesteak. Oh, well, that's I right. Went get, out to Philly. Didn't get wah wah. Oh, yeah, oh not, God. Not, but anyway, all right, guys. So <laughs> here we suffered enough then. Right. No offense to. Yeah. All no right. Well, a couple things. Okay, you can hear us now every week on Hamilton Radio. Uh, 9 p.m. Uh, UK time, 9 p.m. New York time. Also, you can hear us, download us on um, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Sonos, YouTube, SoundCloud, and Amazon Alexa. So as we get bigger and better, more and more venues, you'll be able to find us. Um, another thing, I got to promote a couple of things that I got coming up. January 20th, Primal Promotions in association with the WBF, Amateur Boxing, and NFF Promotions will be putting on... Uh, Primal Fight Night. Um, the show starts at 6 p.m. My fighter, Scrappy Bunch, will be fighting Kevin Serrano out of Philly for the 141-pound amateur title. My boy, Scrap, has the title, won it back in uh, G August, and will be defending that. Also, Evan Holyfield, Evander Holyfield's son, will be fighting Nazir Parker for the 152-pound amateur world title. Plus, we have a few. Actually, we have yeah, all together now, as of yesterday, I think we have about 19 fights on the card. It is a packed, stacked card from talent from Trenton and Philadelphia. Uh, a lot of real good talent. I think Primal Gym has, shit, nine fighters on the card, which is a ton of fighters. I mean, so not only promoting the event, I have to go around, wrap all the fighters' hands, get everyone ready. I'm not going to be in the ring with any of the fighters because I'm going to be Don King running around with my uh, partner. So there'll be all kinds of things there. Also, uh, last week we announced that uh, Primal Promotions will be putting on our first MMA show. That will be April 28th at Primal Gym in Hamilton, New Jersey. Uh, it's an amateur uh, MMA event. Uh, I put out the news, a Facebook page up. It's primalfightpromotions.com. If you are a fighter or uh, want to sponsor the show, please reach out to us and we'll get back in touch with you and make that happen. Altogether, for Primal Promotions in 2018, we will have nine promotions uh, three MMA, three kickboxing, and three boxing events. Maybe squeeze one more in there. I don't know. It's, that's a lot going on. But anyway, I had to get that out. Um, what, uh, and we'll, we'll be talking about it again next week because I'm going to bring my co-promoter in as well and maybe some of the fighters. And I think we're also going to do, Tom, we might even be doing like a, a live show uh, uh, the day before the fight for a press conference. So it won't be on a regular Wednesday when we shoot it. So I didn't inform you of that yet, but I'm letting you know that now. We might do kind of a live a feed for at least a little bit. But anyway... So the, the purpose of the show, last week we talked about, you know, how the show got started, what was going on, what we were thinking about doing next year. And one of the things that we wanted to do was we wanted to talk about uh, the year of 2017 in boxing and 2017 in MMA. Plus talk about the fights, uh, you know, uh, that are coming up this year. And so we brought in two of the world's top experts uh, <laughs> and our boy all the way. From Japan, Doc Watson is with us. Doc, how are you, buddy? 
Konnichiwa, Jim San. Ahayo gozaimasu, Jim San. And um, yeah, I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And I, good. I just said hello and good morning. I can't because uh, it's like mil- it's middle of the night now, right? And locally here, so the other uh, expert, super fan, MMA. Uh, a, a buddy of mine, his name is Nick Portella. He's got a website, nickportellamma.com. He uh, is a real, uh, knows everything about MMA, especially in the local area. He's a super fan of it. Nick, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. How's everybody doing? Everybody's good, buddy. Hey, you were, I said, Nick, so people, Nick uh, was up all night working, so he's running on fumes right now. So uh, hopefully he'll stay awake through the show. Hopefully we're entertaining enough for you, Nick. I'm good to go. I'm good to go. Well, guys, thanks so much for being on the <laughs> yeah. show. Um, what we want to talk about is I just want to cover a couple quick topics, and then we're just going to let it kind of go. So we're going to be tapping on both sides of the fence here. And the interesting thing is that I was talking to Nick this morning, and Nick says, Nick says he really knows nothing about boxing. And, of course, if you talk to Doc Watson, he essentially knows nothing about MMA. <laughs> you know, they're, they're, I mean, they know a little bit, like a common thing, you know. Maybe the common housewife might know about boxing, <laughs> but uh, hey, but they yeah. know enough to get by. You know, everyone's an expert, right? But these guys really—they really know their stuff. When Doc Watson was on the show last time, I had a bunch of questions for him, and miraculously, he knew uh, one of uh, the, these top ten pay-per-views, and one of them being Pete McNeely, which was brilliant, man. It was brilliant, brilliant that you even knew that answer. How you knew it? Who the heck knows? All right, so right, let's get right to it, guys. Best fight of the year in MMA, Nick. What was the best fight of the year? Um, you know what? There was a lot of fights this year, and I think, for me, uh, was out of UFC 218, Alvarez Gaethje. Alvarez Gaethje. It was a war, ended in a knockout. I, I think it was the fight of the year, uh, hands down. It, it was everything you would want. There was They were beating each other down. They were staggering each other out. They both ended up bloodied and swollen. And it ended with a knockout. It's everything you could want everything out of an want. MMA fight. Right, it, right. It, it had everything. And so, out of that fight, um, was there, who would like? Was there a close second to that, or is that was that stood out completely? There was no one even close. Uh, actually, my close second was Gaethje and Michael Johnson. Oh no! Kidding, yeah. uh, again, Gaethje, in, in that Gaethje was rocked the first round. Right. Probably should have been finished. Bashed his way through and ends up finishing Michael Johnson. Plus, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of I don't want to use the word hate, but there was a lot of uh, trash leading up to the event. So it, it had a big buildup anyway. Right. So that that would be my second. Oh, look, those are, those were excellent fights. Doc, how about in boxing this year? Best fight you got? Uh, best best fight last year, probably not a surprise. Anthony Joshua, uh, Vladimir Klitschko. Uh, and what I love about the fact is that uh, everybody probably watched that fight who has a passing interest in boxing. And so, right. you, you know, I'm not talking about some obscure names that nobody's ever heard of. Right. AJ Klitschko, amazing fight. Um, much like, uh, you, you know, on, on the MMA fight of the year, it had everything, drama. There was even kind of a bit of a romance there, you know, with the passing of the torch. And, you know, the old man Klitschko coming back, putting in a performance that probably right. the best performance he's put in in about 10 years. Right. And then, obviously, you know, AJ coming back from nearly being knocked out to, uh, to stopping Klitschko in the 11th. So, for, for me, that was the, the fight of the year. Um, had everything. You know, about, had everything num- you number need. two. I have a number two. Uh, number two for me... I'm going to say Triple G Canelo. Oh, um, good. That was good. You know, That's yeah. Yeah. Man, you are brilliant. I, 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 I think that, uh, you know, because that fight had the build-up, it was probably the right. most eagerly anticipated match of the year. Uh, and, it, and it didn't disappoint. It was a great fight. It's just a shame about the scorecards. Right. But, you know, there was a lot of good fights to choose from <laughs> last year, particularly um, lesser-known fighters. You, you, you know, there were some great performances on the British shores and, and in and right. other parts of the world as well. But they would be my top two. Yeah, those are two, two, two amazing fights. Now, there was another thing that I was going to touch on and I put on the notes. So it was just out of both sports, right, um, what was the most interesting thing that happened in the sports? Boxing or MMA? Nick? 
the most interesting thing. Yeah, thing that uh, really still, changes with okay, the dynamics. I'm still, I'm still amazed that McGregor and Mayweather happened. Even right. though it's not MMA, I thought that was the most interesting thing ever. That I never thought in a million years that fight right. would happen. I, I agree completely with you. I think that, yeah. I don't know if Doc feels... So I know the boxing purists, of which I happen to hang out with a bunch of them, <laughs> to them. they hated <laughs> the fact that McGregor uh, was fighting um, Mayweather. Uh, and I, the MMA guys, Nick, did they... Did they I don't think the MMA crew, they, they felt that way. I think they were excited about it, right? They weren't... They thought it was... Interesting, right? I, I I think they were, and um, from talking to the fighters that I know and just, you know, general fans and people yeah. that visit the site, uh, the thing that was so intriguing about it was, you know, you had, you, you've had boxers cross over. You've had James Tony cross over, and yeah. he got destroyed by an older Randy Couture. Right. So this was like the chance for MMA to cross into their sport, and while I believe that Mayweather probably carried the fight on a little bit longer uh, than it had to go. It, it was kind of a boost for MMA because they could say, hey, we came into your sport and we lasted 10 rounds. Your right. guy came to our sport and got finished in, like, the beginning of the second round. So, right. I, I mean, a, a lot of people, I think, were on board. Then you have your, your diehards who think you should just stick to your sport. Right, but right. at the end of the day, when when you fight MMA, I mean, boxing's a part of MMA, just like watching is. the jiu-jitsu tournaments. That's part of MMA. So I, I think it was a great thing. Uh, I think it helped um, bring a little bit back to boxing, and I think it, it helped broaden um, the fan base for MMA. I think it was good for everybody, especially the fighters. They could have – didn't matter who won. They both walked out of there as rich as could be. Oh, no doubt. Doc, what, what's your take on it, brother? Um, I, I agree with a lot of that. Um, you know, I think it was a great spectacle for for, the, for both sports. Um, you know, the more I look back on it now, quite frankly, I, I, honestly, I don't even think Mayweather tried. I think he turned up looking like a guy who, who, who barely trained. Um, <laughs> this is my personal opinion. Right. I think he, you know, and I think that that showed, um, you know, he, I think he walked out there thinking this is going to be so easy. I don't even need to think. Let's just see what happens. Right. You know, and, Gregor hit him with a hell of an uppercut in the first round. I mean, it's, it's a good job that, you know, he, he, he's not really a puncher in boxing terms. I know he is in MMA. It's different, you know, right. di, di, different, uh, di, di, different sport, different distance, different gloves, different everything. But um, obviously, they're probably not Mayweather out with that punch, you, you, you know. But um, yeah. I, I, I still look at it and think that if, if Mayweather had of approached it the way he approached his other 49 fights, it, it would have been over a lot, lot quicker. But I think it was a, a good spectacle for the sport, ultimately. I'm not particularly keen on seeing much more of those crossover fights. But do you know what? It gets everyone talking, and I think there's it enough does. cake to go around, and, and, right. and I think both sports win. But what it was done, I think it superseded uh, expectations on both ends. I think it was a win-win for both MMA and for boxing. You know, as Nick said, uh, McGregor came in, went 10 rounds with arguably one of the greatest pound-for-pound fighters, you know, and was in the fight. I think won probably three rounds, right, out of the fight. And then, um, you know, uh, and Mayweather finished him in the 10th. You know, uh, they had to stop the fight. And really, you know, they stopped because McGregor was exhausted. Nick, do you think McGregor really thought he could win, or was he just, like, arguably the greatest shit-talker on the planet? I'll be honest, if you look at the history of that guy, yeah. uh, everything he says, whether you hate him or love him, he does. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think he genuinely I think he genuinely went into that fight thinking he could win. Uh, and, and like you said, he, he caught him with an uppercut. I thought it was wiped out. And there was also a point in the fight where he caught Mayweather with a body shot that folded him. Yeah. And uh, for some reason, the, re the rep kind of broke it up. Uh, as as for the the stoppage, and this is just my opinion from yeah. the MMA side, I think it was a little bit early, yeah. because mm. McGregor yeah. McGregor was gassed at the end of the Nate Diaz fight, and uh, while I still think Diaz won the second fight, you know he went back to his corner, got his you know his little bit of time, and he came back out swinging. Yeah, but uh, I, you know it, it was a spectacle to see. It didn't matter which sport you liked. The world watched it, right. you know? Well, with, as far as the stoppage goes, in boxing, because I dance in both worlds, 
Uh, and, and in boxing, really, if you're not defending yourself intelligently, he was backing up, he wasn't carrying, he wasn't, he was being hit really clean. Doesn't matter that they're not necessarily life ending. In MMA, of course, you know, you could jump on the guy or kick him or do whatever else you want to do. But in boxing with the hands, and McGregor was just, the, you know, it was like a target practice for Mayweather. So at some point, the referee's responsibility, how they're taught is, hey, you know what, this guy's not doing his job. So that's how I think he stopped. I think McGregor still could have been. It was just going to be a matter of time before he hit the ground. But I think uh, from the referee standpoint, from the boxing standpoint, I don't think the ref really had a choice. Yeah, I think people have been saying a lot that, um, and I agreed with this, by the way, like months ago, that the McGregor-Mayweather fight, it was kind of a win-win. It was great for both sports, et cetera, et cetera. But as I've been looking at the retrospectives and kind of um, like pay-per-view stuff and financials, payouts, things like that. Um, there's a suggestion that maybe this wasn't so great for MMA, but it was really positive for boxing. Um, and the idea that, that like, um, in fact, across the board, there was a lot of, uh, and I don't know if this is something that you'd want to agree with, but yeah. that um, it was a bad year for MMA. It was the end of kind of a, a certain kind of Conor McGregor culture that um, at the same time boxing kind of, like I said, danced into the spotlight. And then there's the, the money to back it up and the UFC contracts with Fox are ending. There, there's a big, basically people who are into MMA supposedly, you know, who knows. Yeah. But there's, there's a view that that was a really bad. For, for the sport. I mean, I came out, I mean, I'm on record saying it was great, you right. know, sure, you know, but um, I think that maybe retrospect gives some kind of uh, different perspective. So what do you think about that? Nick, do you have any take on that? Yeah, I, you know what? The, the fight, I try to look at that fight as when they have a celebrity basketball game. Everybody wants to go see the celebrities. They're right. not professional basketball players. But it's, you know, like it's a, it's a good spectacle. As for what it did for MMA, I mean, look what happened. You've got Jose Aldo talking about crossing into boxing. You've got Nate Diaz already got his boxing license. Yeah. I, I think it's kind of it, – it's opening up the combat sports stuff for people to move around. What's bad is if a boxer comes over and stays in MMA or a good MMA fighter crosses over and decides to stay in boxing, then right. you're kind of – you know, robbing from one to, to get better for the other. But at, at the end of the day, no matter what it is, all these sports are about entertainment. Right. And to me, to, to me, it, it was entertaining. And, you know, it, it, I'm sure it's going to happen again. Oh, yeah. One way or the other. And I'll, I'll watch it when it does. Nick, just, just, ahead, just to elaborate on, on Alana's point uh, uh, slightly. So, so we, we started out the year with, you know, Ronda Rousey, who'd been like a superstar, um, she, you know, she'd lost and her career's kind of been ended. Conor McGregor spent yeah. the year away from the sport. He was a big superstar. And then we had like drugs bans for like, you know, uh, uh, was it John Jones and Brock, Brock Lesnar? And so, so right. the first half of the year, the pay-per-view figures were massively down. And I believe the UFC made a sort of similar amount of money because of the McGregor-Mayweather fight. Would you say this has been a good or a bad year for the UFC? Uh, overall, I would say money-wise, with, with that extra fight added in the boxing world, cash-wise, it was probably a great year. Um, Pay-per-view-wise and view-wise, at best, I would say even, I, I mean, when, when you know Ronda started going on the downslope and she got knocked out by you know Nunez, that was... That was a big thing. And then you just had a UFC event where three titles changed his hands. They were all upset. But there was mm -hmm. a lot of stuff in the beginning of the year. Like you said, you got guys getting popped left and right. They're winning titles, and they're getting kicked out. And so I think overall it would be a break-even uh, or bad year for the sport as a whole. Cash-wise, you know, McGregor, Mayweather kind of saved it. Uh, but I, I don't really know if McGregor counts as a save because – the reality, I, I'm not personally a fan, uh, but I do respect what he does in the sport. But the reality is he won two belts and defended neither one. Right. Mm. I'll, I'll get know, to, like, I'll, like he get... I'll get to Doc, uh, Doc Watson for boxing in a second. But, I mean, the second half of the year kind of saved it a bit. You've got Demetrius Johnson with his, like, 11 straight title wins, and then, and then GSP came back. 
But um, right. for, for it, w one thing that seems obvious to me is that because it's so brutal, it's kind of hard to get a, to, to develop those stars and keep them at the top of the game in the same way as perhaps it is with boxing, where, you know, someone can go 49 and 0 or 15 right. 0. You can. Right. Gregor yeah, in yeah fact, there was a lot of awkward things in MMA this year. That's that's maybe the best way to put it. A lot of unexpected events. I get a lot of well, you know, so some people also. I mean, to, to follow Tom's point, the other the other issue is a quote lack of cultivation of UFC stars. Um, that there's a there's a there's a problem basically with in terms of like um, investing in the UFC fighters. Um, you know, questions of promotion. It seems like the kinds of things that boxing has struggled with in the past and has ironed out. Um, I know that you want to touch on the Muhammad Ali Act later, Jim. Yeah. Um, but has kind of come to terms with this in certain ways and has, you know, WBC, all, all of these uh, commissions since the 20s here and well before that in the UK, right? Um, UFC doesn't have that and is kind of dying on the vine. That's, that's, one, that's one take that I saw kind of consistently um, looking at, I don't know, Listening to a bunch of people who I'm not sure I believe at all the way, so I had to listen to a bunch of them. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> so what do you think about that? The idea that, that part of it is that the UFC is kind of shooting itself in the foot by not either taking care of its fighters on the one hand or kind of kind of uh, balancing, like take, going for the, the money fight, the, you know, the money shot, so to speak, um, over merit or talent, which the fighters themselves yeah, complain no, about a lot. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, if you're the select, uh, you know, four or five people in the UFC, you get the big checks, you get whatever you want. Um, but the rest of the guys are, like, kind of clawing away to get there. Um, the, the one notable thing I saw that kind of missed me was uh, UFC 209. Um, to me, and maybe it's because I'm a fan or whatnot of this particular guy, the Diaz brothers should have been on that card. Whether you hate them or love them, right. they're huge draws. Uh, I know recently they offered Nate a title shot at any weight class he wanted. And he's That's like, funny. no, you guys are going to have to do better to get me to fight, you know, because mm. he's talking about crossing over into boxing and right. and doing all this crazy stuff. So, yeah, I think I think it's just like any job. If you if you treat your employees good, you know, you you get better out of them. And that's just how everything works. Right. If you treat them like crap. You know, they'll, they kind of like half ass uh, what they're doing. Then they had the big thing about we're, we're going to start this fighters union and right, then sure. the whole Reebok promotion. So a, a, lot of ha a lot happened negative in, uh, in uh, UFC. Oh, yeah. Now, but for MMA as a whole, you had some pretty stellar promotions uh, that are non UFC come up. Bellator had a great year. Uh, a more regional promotion to, to me uh, is a. Uh, CFFC. They yeah. had huge cards. Their last card was, you know, three title fights, 11 fights, 11 finishes. It was an That's great. absolute. Yeah, they're, they're a good organization. It was a it, yeah, it was a monster card. And then you got newer promotions, um, like, for instance, what did I go see that had some really good? Uh, Maverick MMA. Maverick, Maverick yep. MMA had, yeah, they had their fourth card this year. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know their fifth card is coming up. And Matt Hamill is on that card. Right, so I saw that. I think as 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 the UFC starts to, if they have one year where they're like kind of teetering in the middle, these other promotions are jumping on it and they're they're doing big things. So yeah, maybe I will rebuttal my old answer. Yeah, I think it was probably a losing year at the end of the day when you when you factor <laughs> you everything out of it. Right, hey, Doc. Mm. In, in real quick, in boxing, are you familiar with the Muhammad Ali Boxing Reform Act? You familiar with that? I am not. How about how about well, you, Doc? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, a, you know, I don't know inside out, but yeah, I'm familiar. Scandalized, scandalized. Yeah. No, no. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, essentially, what the, well, essentially what it is is back, you yeah. know, in in the um, back in the day in boxing, you know, obviously the, the promoters controlled the sport. They said, and, and the ratings, you know, who was number one, who was number two was different in all the different, in san all the different sanctioning bodies. So it was in, a, a, one guy could be number one in the WBF and, and then be number five in the WBO. Well, that's like, how is there such a difference, a difference between these, 
organizations because there was a lot of politics and it was, it was who was signed with who. So if you were signed with this particular organization, the WBO, let's just say, for example, well, you know, you're more likely to have higher ranks because they're more likely to make more money as a direct result of that. But there was um, recently – and the reason I brought that up because boxing had those issues. And then sort of like Don King came along, I'm paraphrasing, and promotion, and started putting money into the fighters' hands and put more of the control into the fighters. And, uh, you know, as a result of having this rule, it made them more uh, subject to actual real way, real way of ranking these fighters. So you just couldn't have all these – superstar fights and so on and so forth. Do you guys remember uh, Butterbean, for example? Remember Butterbean, Doc? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Butterbean, yep, yep. was a, he was a tough man. He was a big, huge dude, out of 300-plus pounds, and he was knocking the shit out of guys, and he created his own title, uh, King of the Four Rounders, and was making a shitload more money than guys who were far more he talented. Said he, he said he'd beat Tyson, didn't he, over four rounds, right? Do you yeah, yeah, I do. I do. Now, now Butterbean's <laughs> jumped into MMA and kickboxing and stuff. He is a force. Look, he knocked out Johnny Knoxville in a lingerie store. <laughs> from, from, I, did, I do remember that. Yeah, <laughs> which was good. I mean, he's just a tough dude. But anyway, go, wrapping around. So there was a, a United States congressman who, uh, Mullins, uh, or Mullen, uh, and he's from Oklahoma, and he, um, I remember that. Right. So I'm going to play a little clip from that because this kind of wraps this all around and kind of connects MMA and stuff. So this guy w- was an MMA fighter. I don't know if he was just um, uh, an amateur, if he was a pro. I really don't know. But he apparently had fought it. Now he's a, he's a, he's a representative uh, yeah, out of Oklahoma. And he, there was just a, a Senate hearing on this. And they were talking to you know, this, this um, athletic commission in Vegas as to what was what. Anyway, so here's a little clip. So bear with me. It's like but a minute. Before you, but yeah. before you play it, let me just uh, put quick context on this. I mean, the original act was passed in 2000, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Introduced um, through a Republican from Ohio. Um, I know I'm, ju- I'm just saying this because, it, you know, it's just kind of an important right. kind of precedent. So go. Shoot. Okay, right. Here Bye. we go, guys. Hopefully it works. Chairman, uh, and uh, thank you for allowing us to have this legislative hearing on the, on uh, H.R. 44, the Muhammad Ali Expansion Act, and learn more about the growing industry. Many times we get asked the questions, why is Congress involved in this? Well, it's the same reason why we got involved in boxing uh, with the Muhammad Ali Act. Uh, right now we have actors that are acting like the Don King of the <laughs> MMA world. Uh, MMA has become an interstate commerce. Congress has a responsibility when we're talking about commerce moving across state lines. MMA is supposed to be a professional sport, much like NFL, the MLB, and the NBA. But without a merit-based ranking system, then how is it going to be any more than a WWE? Right now, we have ranking systems that's based more on market and marketing value than it is merit-based. In the USC history, we see more and more fights being not fought for title fights, but simply a trophy. Uh, And when you have a number one ranked individual not fighting for the title shot, but you have in the last three fights, uh, Bisbing versus Luke for the title fight at 185 pounds, you had number four, Bisbing, fighting for the title. The first defending was against Dan Henderson for Bisbing, who wasn't even in the top ten. And then just recently this weekend, you had a retired fighter of four years that had had the belt at 170 pounds but came out in his first professional fight in four years, fight for the title shot at 185 pounds. How is that a merit-based system? How can we sit there and honestly say to the consumers as spending millions of dollars with a professional sport or what they perceive to be when they're using a ranking system that is not merit-based. The UFC is an interstate commerce industry now. Congress does have a role to oversee and to make sure that the consumers know the product to which they are buying. All right, so that that was it. There was there was a lot more to it. This is a huge hearing. It's all on. You can look it up on YouTube, but that was done, you know, before for boxing to try to control it. I think it has done a. a what do you think, Doc? You think it's done some? It's worked a little bit. 
Oh, for some reason, Doc, on, we're not here. Mute, right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're on mute. I'll Way to go. I'll, I'll turn you on mute rather than turning you off mute. Sorry. Yeah, a little bit it, it has, but, uh, you know, to be honest, the sport the sport is still, you know, Fucked riddled up. with <laughs> with problems sure. and uh, you know, promoters yeah. and, and people with padded out records. So I think it's, it's probably, you know, that uh, 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 and... And a lot of the changes that people like Audley Harrison brought in um, into the sport, you know, that, that are, you know, helping fighters get more fair contracts and get treated better. But to, to, to me, you know, there's still a lot of lot of things that need to be changed. Yeah, which um, may or may still not too many that. mismatches. Right, I mean, right, too many. You know, we have we have show we have shows. There's boxing shows that where there's ten fights and not one of them is remotely competitive. Right. Yeah. I think that's, it's, that's common occurrence. Yeah, and, and just in the just in the U.S. Um, because you know when I was doing my little education of pugilism um, months ago, I uh, you know I was I was looking at the you know WBO, um, IBF, WBC. I was like, wait, 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 what are these all? You know, so I I looked them up, I defined them. I was like, 1921, 1967, they changed to South America. You know, trying to figure this out. But what you're seeing is not like okay, a number of acronyms dancing about, but basically a sport trying to define itself, which, like I said, the UK kind of has, has, has that down, you know, with the history of trying to define boxing in your court, really, right? Um, but what I saw in all of those um, official titles was, like I said, boxing has had a hard road to gaining both legitimacy. We're still, still talking about um, objective, um, object, objective criteria for, um, for matches, right? Um, and so I think to flip that to MMA, I mean, I, I really, um, I, 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 lo- I love knees, so I want, to, I want to just embrace this fully. But um, I, I just worry about and have a hard time seeing how that, that road comes to a legitimacy that is, is lasting, um, that has as much of a foothold and becomes as defined as boxing has historically. Yeah, Nick, on that. No, no, no. On that um, point, with the, with the uh, sorry, I wasn't in front of the microphone, with the Ali Act um, being presented, what, do you, what are your thoughts on that for MMA, buddy? I, I think it's a mess for MMA. Uh, case in point would be um, UFC 217, uh, Rose Unis, uh Johanna Yinjinchek. No, I don't even think Rose was a top was a top five. Right. You know, and and she got the shot, and hey, I give her all the credit in the world. She. She beat the best, but I mean, uh, the Johanna unfortunately beat like one, two, and three. But there, you know, there was a, there was other options. I, I don't know how they how they come to that um, conclusion of who goes in. Uh, another one is uh, Khabib, that dies twenty six and zero. Right? Why has he not fought for a belt? And, and what about GSP, Nick? G- GSP came straight back in title fight. I think after four years. At best, he might have made the main card. Like in four years, you got to earn your way back. There's right. there's guys out there like James Vick and uh, you know Darren Till's coming on you know big this year. These guys are undefeated. They're destroying people. They fight anybody they put in front of them, and you know they struggle to get on the main card. I mean, GSP was a, a, a money maker. Absolutely. You know they did the big thing. If he if he wins, he has to defend the belt. He won the belt and vacated. Like but he quit. Yeah. He was out of there. You know. Right. He, yeah, he was out of there right away. But you know that that card, the way it set, you know, it made money. It's three title fights, three upsets happened. It, it right. was, it was one for the ages. You know what I mean? Right. And I think Johanna and Rose was the biggest upset of the year in MMA. Yeah. Hmm. What happens in in like in boxing for years, guys? Everyone remember a guy named Tommy Morrison, right? He was a, the great white hope back in the nineties. The guy had an yeah. incredible left hook. The guy ended up dying from AIDS. You don't die from AIDS, but, I mean, he, he had HIV and he died of pneumonia or whatever at, at the end of the day. There was a great special on ESPN. They have a, a documentary series called 30, uh, 30, I think it is, and they did one on Tommy Morrison. Uh, Doc, have you seen this at all by any chance? No, I haven't actually. It, it, but, so, I mean, I know, I know the Tommy Morrison of course. story. You know. So uh, it, anyway, if you get a chance to check this out, uh, anyway, and I'll, I'll you see how I wrap this up. Tommy went around and, and it was beating everybody. Eventually, he was knocking the crap out of guys. So he's like forty and zero, 
right? Here's the problem. He fought my grandmother. He fought my Uncle Louie, who's a drunk. You know, he fought nobody. <laughs> you know, he was, fight, he, he, was, he was a big badass <laughs> in, in, in Oklahoma, which in the world of boxing means nothing. You know, so then when he fights Ray Mercer, you know, he gets the snot. And Ray Mercer hit him, I bet you, 24 times to the face. Unbelievable. Uh, you can see that clip on YouTube. But so Tommy Morrison had this puffed up record because he wasn't fighting anybody. I'm not sure you get that as much in MMA as you get in boxing. In boxing, we call it tomato cans. The guys are always looking for that fight. A guy who wants to give him enough of a, a fight, but we still want to come out on top. That world still exists in boxing. Uh, there are guys who just want to go in the right and are just tough, uh, tough guys, but they, they'll never really make it to that next level. That happens consistently in boxing. I don't think that really happens as much in MMA uh, as much, but it does. Nick, did you have any thoughts on that, buddy, as far as guys just getting puffed up records in MMA? I, I don't see it as much. No, I mean, you can, you can, uh, I actually see, I know one thing about boxing. I remember watching uh, on YouTube the Ray Mercer fight where he got him in the corner and like, right, beats the shit out. He was him. knocked out and, and, and was hitting him to keep him standing up right. a little more. Yeah, I don't know if the ref was getting um, a beer. In, a, <laughs> in MMA, I don't, I don't think it happens that much no. because once you get out of the regional ranks and you land in Bellator and UFC, even the worst fighter in the UFC. Is still a phenomenal athlete. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. I, I think there's a there's a bigger margin from when you go from amateur to professional regional to you know the big stage. So I, I don't think that happens as much. No. Nah. There are fights where they just throw people to the wolves. Oh no of, doubt. But it, I don't think it's as bad. No. Here's your, I used. I'm sorry. Let me. So I used to keep that thought. I used to promote MMA in Philadelphia. And we had a, a nice show. We had a 30-foot uh, cage, uh, well-produced, a lot of celebrity stars on it. Uh, and, um, and you know, there would be guys who were interested in fighting. And then I had to do as much of a background check as possible. The State Athletic Commission does do a really pretty decent job of vetting guys out. But I would co- be investigating guys, and the guy would ha- be making his debut in MMA. Turns out this guy had 30 fights in Thailand, you know. Uh, saying he wants to take right. a kid who's just, you know, I got a blue belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He's going to kill the guy, you know? So yeah. there are guys who try to do that. You want to, you know, with, I believe the term is sandbagging, you know, in, in that world. Tom, what were you going to say, bud? Yeah, so I was making, I was making a funny dance so, you could, so I could make this point. But <laughs> yes. just, just one point. So we, we talked about this, this um, what this Matt Mullen guy said, who's, who's a congressman. Right. I agree with everything he said. But it's a classic example of big government thinking, I'll go and interfere with sports. Right. I wish they'd all fuck off and stay the fuck out of our sports. Oh, with, I agree. It, we do not need politicians in sports, but there no. should be enough integrity within those sports mm-hmm. that the, the best fights happen. There's clear rules around everything. Mm-hmm. So everything is, is, done, is done fairly. Yeah, I think I think that it muddles up. It takes, you know, the question that we're always kind of, yeah, I'll be quick, that, that kind of, uh, that we're always batting about which is like you know the ideal the art versus the money and the need for that so do you think that mullen and this uh this this um provision and amendment for the ali act do you think what are the motives do you think that he did that to protect the fighters or do you think he did that for commercialization purposes or which you know if you had to rank them like what are the motives there doc any thought because this is writing on what you're saying tom actually i i Personally, I don't. I don't know the guy's, you know, motives. I'm, uh, I, I don't know, but I, I slightly disagree with Tom. You know, I think that. <gasps> <you> do... <laughs> Heavens! I, Good I thing think, you're in but, Japan. You know, First of all, I think that the boxing world tends to think that the UFC may, maybe is run a little better, and that we boxing could learn a bit from it. You uh-huh. know, I think the fact that, I mean, I know there are other. It's not, you know, there's. Bellator and other such things, but you know, the fact that people fight under one UFC umbrella and it's, mm. it, it looks like the best fight each other, and it looks like nobody gives a crap about losing their O in UFC, which yeah. I think is great. So I think in boxing, it literally is a freaking cancer. It is. You know, yeah. and it, are, are obsessed with keeping undefeated 
mostly because, uh, well, in, in part at least because of Floyd Mayweather. Right. Uh, and I think that's a real problem because it leads to all these padded records and people fighting yeah. to mark hands. And they can, you know, you can go and fight bums like 20 fights. Sooner or later, you've got to fight someone really good. You're going to you fight a real tough fights. bum one day. You know, yeah. one guy, <laughs> one guy will be a tougher bum. Well, it seems like the problems okay. that you're talking about. Um, one of them, one of them is an issue of a nascent sport trying to define itself, and the other one is about a historic, like a historically kind of um, already there. Doc, can you hear me? You're, or you yeah, just, yeah. Just a minute, uh, or a historically kind of words I don't understand. <laughs> Sorry. Am I not enunciating appropriately? Okay. Well. Well. Anyway, one of them is is a new and not quite defined sport, which would be MMA. And then the other is boxing, which has a history, a pretty long one. And so it sounds like the problems that you're describing are of a sport with longevity, and the problems that we've been anticipating with MMA are a sport that hasn't even been defined yet. Right, still new. Yeah, so like, especially when you said cancer, I was like, yep, you know. No, it is. It, it is. In, in boxing, you... For a mature sport. Right. Even at the... Good Lord, I, I do a lot with amateur boxing. I've got a lot of fighters. And uh, she's back in October. When I had 10 fighters fight in like four weeks, some ridiculous number. And, uh, and of course, you know, they're brand new. They're 1 and 0, 2 and 0. But boy, they, even at this level, they can't fathom the thought of taking a loss. I'm like, listen, it's amateur boxing. If you're going to be around for it, you're going to lose. And if you're not losing at that level, you're not fighting the competitors that you need to fight to go professional if that's what you want to do. You're living in a fantasy yeah. land. You want to be the biggest fish in the smallest pond. That's great. But as soon as you go up, as Nick was saying, you go up to the more regional and more national events, you're going to have your ass handed to you. Um, you were, you're in for a big, big surprise. So you, you need to take those tough fights. And as you're saying, in MMA, it's, you don't, uh, we were saying MMA, you really don't have those padded records as much. But you do have to be careful because I know, by the way, as, as being a promoter in the past and now a current promoter, that there are promotions out there that do favor schools and have affiliations and associations with schools and, and individuals, and they do their best to get the best matchup for that fighter not the best matchup for, you know, an even where both competitors have a good shot. Uh, Nick, I don't know if you want to touch on that or not, but that is the truth because I lived it. The, the funny part is when you said you know a promotion, I'm willing to bet that me and you are thinking of the same I promotion. bet we are, <laughs> which will remain story. nameless. So we don't, um, but, right. The, so, the thing with MMA, I don't, I don't know how it is in boxing, is you could be the champion in MMA the number one guy can challenge you and you could just say, no, right. I'm not fighting. You know, you could turn down the fight and then you have situations like there's a fight coming up. Uh, Kamara Usman is a killer. Nobody wants to fight this guy. Mm -hmm. Emil Meek takes the fight. Does he, is he on the level to fight him? Probably not, but he's taking that fight not right. to pad his record because nobody wants to fight. Well, he's him. taking a shot. Sure. So I, yeah, I have a thing where if you're the champion and the number one guy challenges you, you can't say no. Well, you're the best. You. He's next to the best. You got to you got to fight. Right. You're right. I'm going to give I'll give you an example. One of my fighters, and I'll I'll leave this as vague as possible, but he um, a really pretty talented MMA fighter. He hasn't been able to fight in a while because of a couple of injuries, but pretty talented. Um, uh, could do a little bit of everything. Uh, exciting to watch. So he fought this one guy and. And lost, quite honestly, because he had a point taken away because he hit him while the guy's knee was hitting the ground. It didn't change the fight. And so they took a point away from my fighter. This particular individual won the fight and was talking some, some mad shit after a bit. So anyway, months later, whatever, we were offered a title shot in this particular organization uh, for my fighter to fight this kid again. And this kid goes, no, I don't want to fight him. I've already beaten him, which was a joke of a decision. It was just because my fighter made a thing. But unfortunately, that promoter allowed that fighter to make that decision. Uh, I don't know if you've heard anything like this before, Nick. But I was, I was like, how is, that, how is this kid making that decision? You saw that fight. You saw what happened. It would be the most exciting fight in this particular division, in this particular organization at that level. Why would you not make that happen? Why would you give this power to that kid? It's not his decision. But that does happen in MMA. Ah, I don't want to fight that guy. I don't like him. I don't like the way he looks, you know. I don't like the way he fights. That's really what it was. But yes, Tom. <laughs> uh, 
I, I, so I want to get a question in before I know we'll, we'll start running running down on time, but but um, I wanted to ask the good doctor. Yeah. One has uh, I, I read a, I read a thing where it said 1997 was the best year for fights ever, and when you look at the list, they're like there's some really incredible fights in there. So I wanted to ask the good doctor. One, um, how does this year compare? And then two, we were having a conversation earlier about boxing needing to change. So I'd like you to sort of uh, give, give, uh, elaborate on those two points, please, Doc. Yes, mate. Um, <clears throat> I think that uh, 2017 was a very good year for boxing. Um, you know, there were some great fights. Um, maybe it's, you know, not going to go down as, you know, one of the, the, the best years. Um, but nonetheless, very, very good year. Um, you know, there, there's some great fights, right? Um, you, you know, you put the AJ Klitschko fight at the top. It's always a good year when you've got a heavyweight fight that captures, you know, yeah. hearts and minds. Right. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, everybody loves the heavyweight. So it's a fantastic year. Um, I think, you, you know, I think, to be honest, we've had a couple of good years in, in, in boxing, um, you know, with good fights happening. We've got loads of world's champions in the, in the UK at the moment and, and in Europe, which, you know, obviously being on this side of the pond, we love. Um, but things do need to change because I think that we're seeing, it feels to me like we're seeing more and more kind of like house fighters, you know, getting built up with padded records and fighting guys that, that you, you know, are, are, are brought in to lose. Uh, and then getting thrust into competitive fights, you know, when they really have to. And it's a complicated one because you've got to learn your craft. So, you know, you, you need to be matched carefully. But... Yeah, I mean, this this just seems like so much of that going on with, you know, with the promoters not wanting to risk their cash cow, and uh, yeah. you, you know, building those fighters up, trying to keep them, um, you know, with the zero if 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 you know if they've got a zero to keep. Um, and I think that has to change. Um, we cannot keep having these kind of you know non-competitive bouts or shows, pay-per-view shows in a lot of cases where outside of the main event or maybe one fight on the undercard, all the other fights is like a foregone conclusion. I like to bet on, uh, on boxing and it's becoming very difficult to actually, you know, make money on the fights because <laughs> there's all the clear, clear Got to be, yeah. Got to be uh, a, a underworld. You know, so there's a lot of things there, um, guys, that, that, that you no, know, I, I, I feel need to change. And that, that's where it's all, it really needs me. We've got so many useless world title belts oh, like no the, the WBF and the IBO right. and God knows what. It's just bollocks, basically. Just, too, yeah, many, right? too many I hear you. champions. Too many champions. Um, when I think we need a, there needs to be a heavy influence on the sport that is not financially driven mm, because the promoters are financially <laughs> driven and the belts right. are financially driven because they charge big sanctioning oh, fees. Yeah. At, well, I hear, I know that for a fact because I'm a promoter in boxing, so I can tell you uh, that is very true. If you look up on, you may not have come across this yet, this is pretty fair, fair, fairly yeah. recent stuff, but there's a guy called Joe Fournier, right, um, who is, uh, quote, unquote, according to his Twitter, a night, an international nightclub entrepreneur. And he has just been ranked number 11 in the world at light heavyweight by, I think it's the WBO or the WBA. I can't remember uh -huh. which of the two. The guy is a raw novice. I mean, he's had about nine fights against a bunch of guys I don't think have ever won a fight. He's a complete novice. He hangs around with David Hay and he's rich and he's got money and, you know, and he's just been installed as number 11. That's fine. I mean, there's guys, there's guys, he's probably not, he's probably not the best boxer in Berkshire, which is a little county in, <laughs> in the UK, <laughs> let alone, let alone the, the world, seven in the world, you right. know, and, and that's politics. That's right. I don't know. He's paid someone or someone's hey. there's some, some sure. greasing of palms going on there for that to happen. I don't know. And it's probably not his fault, but no. 
it just underlines a lot of the problems with the sport. Right. And a couple things here, uh, as we're look, we're not done yet. We got some more time. But uh, okay, a couple things. 2018, Nick. What are you looking for? Looking forward to an MMA 2018. Um, uh, it could be so much. I'm looking for. There's a lot of talk of certain fights that are coming or rumored to be coming. That would be nice uh, to see. I think it would actually pump to Europe, like uh, Demetrius Johnson, TJ Dillashaw. I've heard McGregor, Diaz three, mm-hmm. uh, possible return of Nick Diaz. Uh, there, there's so much stuff. And unfortunately, I feel bad when I make these comments. I, I keep I keep saying UFC. Right. That's all right. It, well, that's a generic it, it, term. It, but they're all so different. Like the UFC could have a bad year and other promotions do great, you know. Right. Um I would like to see uh, more, honestly, the fighters getting taken care of better. Because once the fighters are better, then the fights become better. Yeah, this is a really interesting. Sorry to break in. Oh, wait. For a sec. No, please continue. Nick, go ahead. Oh, yeah. I I, I think once once you handle that problem, you'll see, you know, you'll see better. There's there's guys that bail out and they go to Bellator or uh, another good one is uh combate americas you know they're the fighters i talked to from there they said they'll never leave because they get you know they get treated so good they even had uh i should have brought it up before uh, a boxer that transitioned over and she's saying heather hardy yeah right well the reason i sorry i i was saying i should have brought up before Heather, heather hardy was a boxer undefeated she transitioned over to mma she's never coming back so I think all the problems end up being about how you're treating your, your staff. Really. No doubt. Well, just to generalize for a sec, I, I, I'm getting excited and interrupting you and more than usual because um, I think that, that your comments and Doc Watson's comments kind of mirror each other. Like, you know, how we've been talking, I've been trying to draw these parallels throughout the show. But um, in this case, it seems like uh, the poison for, for boxing is also, in a way, um, a problem mirrored in, in MMA, for example, first of all, Doc, you're talking about injury adversity and how that kind of that that takes away from actually having sporting fights. And then on the other hand, with MMA, there's this concern that um, injury is one of the reasons that um, cause, because there were so many that plagued so many fighters and so often that um, that was the reason they had such a shitty year, basically. Um, and which is what uh, Nick, you were I think you were alluding to that um, in part. And then also uh, there's a question of Basically, with boxing, once again, there's that need for commercialization. And on the other hand, with MMA, commercialization, instead of... And there's also with boxing, there are all these associations and sanctioning committees. But, you know, with the MMA, there there isn't that weight. However, there's UFC, WEC, but, you know, Bellator, you got Fox, you got... So you've got promotions, but then you don't have any associations. And so... At, on the one hand, there's lots of commercialization, but how lo- what longevity does that give or define that sport? I mean, what are the you know what are the pluses or minuses of that? In short, yeah, I don't, yeah. I, <coughs> what's that? Oh name? yeah, um, with the yeah the, the longevity of these guys is tough. It, it, it depends, you know, if you get see, I, I don't know how it works in boxing, but. You could take three easy fights in a year in the UFC. Your record will be not easy fights, but fights you're pretty sure you could win. And your record goes up three, and you become more popular, uh, and you have things like that. And uh, another good example is McGregor doesn't fight really in the UFC. You know what I mean? But yeah. his name is everywhere. He's on the cover of the U- new UFC three game that's coming out. Right. Uh, they promoted his boxing match through the roof and all these things. Then you got Demetrius Johnson. Broke a record, um, has the longest winning streak. That guy does nothing in pay-per-view points. Nothing. Nothing. Why not? I mean, he's done so much more than Conor McGregor's done in his career. Yeah. The end of the day. You know, if you look at the numbers. Right. You're right. And the the challenge is, uh, being sort of a promoter, is the, you know, it's about putting the butts in seats. You know, who's going to sell you tickets? What's going to generate the most excitement? Because that does matter for that to exist. So there is that element. So for when people dismiss that um, and say, well, the promote, it's just, you know, it, it does matter because if, if they're not getting those 
pay-per-views and there's tickets and all that other stuff, all that noise, all that chatter, um, they might cease to exist. When I was promoting MMA in Philly, one of the challenges, because in Pennsylvania, by the way, you have to have a pro-am card. So you'd have a, a two, three, four amateur, uh, excuse me, two or three or, or four pro fights and, you know, four or five amateur fights, whatever, how, whatever the breakdown was. The challenge was a lot of these MMA pro fighters at that time that would come to me, they might have been 10-0. and 0. They might have been very exciting fighters. Uh, they might have done all kinds of ninja shit in the ring. might have been great. Here was the challenge for me. Nobody knew who this guy was from uh, fucking Arkansas. And nobody cared. So not that he's not talented, right. but I'm going to bring this guy back from Arkansas, fly him to fucking Philadelphia, and, and he might knock the shit out of this guy in 30 seconds with this ninja upside-down spinning heel kick. Might be great, but guess what? Nobody saw it because nobody came to support it. My best athlete at the time would be an amateur fighter making their debut because when they make their debut, they're telling everybody they haven't lost any, so their aunt, their uncle, their mother, father, brothers, sisters, everyone at work would go to the fight. And, you know... So, you know, so that was the challenge. And then also some of these guys demanded a lot of money. I'm not saying they didn't deserve it. I was just saying is that the show didn't produce that kind of revenue to allow me to pay them at a higher rate that I would have liked. So all, that does matter. That right. absolutely comes into play on that aspect, you know. Jim, I, I, I actually went to uh, uh, Doc Watson's first boxing fight, and, and right. I had 15 pints, so I put a lot of money behind the bar. <laughs> <laughs> he was sponsored by Guinness. Nick, what were you going to say, buddy? Yeah, I, I actually have one question. Since, since you promoted MMA, maybe, like, I don't understand this, going back to my other point. Uh, we can all agree that Demetrius Johnson might be the greatest mixed martial artist of all time. So why is his pay-per-view low? The I, UFC sometimes says that his weight class isn't exciting. Yeah. But if you ask him, he says they just don't promote me well enough. Uh, that could be a combination what, of I mean, both, yeah. We have the same. You think it could be the combo? I think it could be a combo that maybe he he just doesn't have the charisma to draw in the fans. I, I don't know. I'm not judging. I'm just that could be part of it. That the UFC might not actually give a shit about him. There might be some animosity there. Then they might not actually be promoting him. So they're putting very little uh, money behind the promotion of his fights and the events that he's participating in. So uh, there could be a, a combination of you know a few things which might end up you know pulling it downwards uh, where it might not have been otherwise had they invest a little bit into them maybe they could generate that excitement because obviously they spent a ton of money on other promotion of other fighters where i mean every every time you're flipping the channel it's on there you know Mm -hmm. right and what's crazy is when he broke the record it didn't do great pay-per-views but he had that crazy judo hip toss mid-air arm bar finish that was great right out of this world was it the year of the knee really what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> right. But, okay, so we got a couple yeah. of questions. We're going to wrap this up shortly. We're, we're, we're still in our time here. Okay, uh, real quick, fighters on the rise in boxing. Anyone you got, Doc? Boxers. Um, on, I mean, do, do you know what? For me, maybe it's not really – I mean, is it on the rise? He's had about, is it 12, I think, fights now. For me, the most exciting boxer today is Vasily Lomachenko. Lomachenko's and, uh, awesome. It's kind of, I think it's not quite right to say he's on the rise because he's now so established, so dominant. He is. Uh, and he's such an amateur pedigree. But at the end of the day, he is, I mean, some, someone check his box record. I think he's had like 12 or, or 13 fights. He's unreal. 14. So he, so in 2018, you'd say he's like the up-and-coming potential superstar. I think he's already, he's already there. But to me, he's just like... When I watch him, I'm watching greatness. He's right. incredible. Oh, well, he's incredible. You know, I think what really emblematizes, what really um, supports what you're saying there, Doc, is that, you know, the Ring's 2017 Fighter of the Year was Lomachenko. You know, and other oh, people I'm... had, you know, Anthony Joshua, you know, whatever. But, um, but at the same time, the um, breakout, so they had, they had him as the fighter. He said, well, actually, I know this guy is kind of new, but he is a master. Natural. And they, they broke somebody else down for a prospect right. of the All year. All right, Nick, fighters so, on the rise in MMA. Uh, hands down, Dar- Darren Till. Darren Till is the guy in 2018. 2018, there you go. Okay, um, here's, here's yeah. an interesting question. Is... Um, how about the greatest potential fight that never happened in boxing? What do you think, Doc? Oh, my. Oh, I thought you'd be prepared this time. Fuck, you're not, man. 
<laughs> what are we going to do with this guy? He's our letting project us expert. down, man. Right. It's a lot. Oh. A lot. Uh, if, you, if you had to pick any two fighters to have fought who could have and who didn't, who would that be? They could have. Could have. And didn't. And didn't. So it's not, yeah. myth, not a mythical match. Right. They could have. Right. Not like uh, Joe uh, Lewis <laughs> against Muhammad Ali. None of that shit. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I don't know. Give me a minute on that. That's one. a hard <laughs> question for a super I'm, fan. Oh yeah, yeah. Come Tom, on. do you have <laughs> Nick? What do you got, buddy? Yeah. Uh, the greatest fight that never had that happened. never happened. Two of those MMA uh, guys uh, that you uh, wanted uh, to see, and they just were passing ships in the uh, night. I'm, I'm going to tell you a fight that I wish would have happened. Yeah. Should have happened, but didn't, and it's a little bit older. I would have loved to see. Rich Franklin, Anderson Silva, three. Yeah, that would have been good. I think I, I think that would have been a good fight. And another one, which again, this is going into the cross promotion. I remember they talked about it, and it didn't happen. I would have loved to see Anderson Silva fight Roy Jones Jr. I oh, remember they talked about yeah, that. They a bunch, did. They did, and it yeah, they did. They never went through. Yeah, that would have been a pretty. That cool might have been. That might have been. Something, that would have been something to see. I think that would have been all right. How about this? The great. Uh, the greatest boxer of all time, Doc. You're giving Doc some for really me, difficult for, questions here. Yeah, I mean, you know, Jeez. I don't know if I necessarily go with Ali in the boxing ring, but had the most impact on the sport and ticks all the boxes in terms of what he stood for, what he did in the ring, and what he did out of the ring, you've got to give it to Muhammad Ali. Of course, he transcended the sport. He, That's why. He transcended the sport. Right. But, you know, there are there are boxers that I prefer to watch and maybe rank above him in skill set, like, you know, Sugar Ray Robinson or, right. or Sugar Ray Leonard. Um, you know, for me, we're, 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 we're perhaps a bit better as boxers, I want to get shot for saying that because yeah. it's not very popular answer. But uh, greatest, you know, ac- across the whole thing, it- it's got to be Ali, isn't it? I I would think so. How about how about Nick for MMA? Uh, unfortunately, I got to pick a guy who you really can't pick. Uh, but I think the greatest mixed martial artist of all time, the goat, would have to be John Jones. Yeah. Uh, I mean his. It, you know, he fought everybody. He beat everybody. He did. Um, his only loss. His only loss was an illegal strike uh, to Matt Hamill. Right. Um, currently active guys. It's it's really hard to not say Demetrius Johnson. I think you're right. I mean, because he's done he's done everything there is to do. Right. Mm. He's, he's... So it's it, it's tough. Yes. Hey guys. Or, wanna... or you can go the you can go the women's route and say Chris Cyborg. Right, yeah, she is a beast. Too, so. Yeah, she handled Holly pretty handily, and uh, I did some. I wanted to touch on that more. Maybe we get you back in. Nick will talk wow. about that because they did have some some thoughts on that. We just didn't get to it. But anyway, guys, it was a great show. You're listening to the Primal Radio. You can hear us Saturday night, nine p.m. UK time. Saturday night, uh, nine p.m. New York time. You can hear us on Hamilton Radio, Spreaker, iHeart Radio, iTunes, Sonos, YouTube. SoundCloud and Amazon Alexa. Remember, January 20th, Primal Promotions in association with the WBF and NFF Promotion will be having Primal Fight Night. Show starts at 6 p.m. My fighter, Scrappy Bunch, will be fighting for the 141-pound title. Also, Evan Holyfield, Evander Holyfield's son, will be fighting for the 152-pound title. There'll be about 19 bouts on the card. And let's not forget, Primal Promotions... Uh, April 28th, our first MMA show at Primal Gym in Hamilton, New Jersey. Uh, check us out on that website at primalfightpromotions.com. If you're a fighter, fill out the form, get in touch with us, pass the word. Uh, anybody who wants to potentially sponsor a partnership in any fashion, give us a buzz. Tom, anything you're promoting? No. <laughs> you can get a hold <laughs> no, of Nick Portella, nickportellamma.com. And Doc, is anyone... Uh, you want to promote anything, buddy? I don't want to promote anything. Uh, I'll <laughs> leave you with Leonard v. Aaron Pryor. That, that's Aaron Pryor. There you go. Oh, you've been thinking. You'll be stewing us. So we'll get you back. <laughs> we have, we'll pull you guys separate next time. We want to kind of combine it. Nick, did you have anything else you want to say, buddy? Yeah, yeah. Just a quick shout-out to my buddy Wayne at uh, Top Team Sports Management. He knows why he's getting the shout-out. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the cash. All right, guys. 
Great show. We'll see you uh, next week. Next week, we have Mike Gillette on. Uh, He'll be on uh, our show next week. So, guys, thank you so much, and peace out. You have been listening to Primal Radio in association with Primal Gym and Primal Promotions. Primal Radio is available on all good podcast venues. To help us grow, please subscribe, like it, share it, and leave us a great review.